Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Took the mighty Aphrodite to the airport today. She's on her way to Athens right now as we speak, flying somewhere over the Atlantic. We'll get in there later tonight and then uh, drive down to Kalamata. And uh, I'm hoping in about a month's time, actually not hoping, I'm planning on it, uh, July 9th, I'm making my way over there with uh, my two little guys, my twin boys, North and Zach. And uh, we're going to be down there in Kalamata for about five weeks. And we're uh, working on, in fact, that's one of the reasons uh, the Mighty Aphrodite went over there, uh, is to try to hook up with some locations down there prior to my arrival so that I can do some programs. So the Conspiracy Show will be coming to you live from Kalamata, Greece, sometime in July, August. So that's what we're working on. I like to say, going back to Greece, back to the scene of the crime, if you will. I mean, that country is just being looted. Looted. Of course, recently we talked to uh, Karen Hudes, the whistleblower at the World Bank, and uh, I think that's a perfect example of Greece being set up as a, uh, in, uh, caught up in a debt snare, forced to borrow billions from the European Central Bank, uh, and then, in order to pay it back, they have to institute these crushing austerity measures, which include selling off publicly owned assets. Now, I'm a, I'm a conservative. I'm not a socialist. I don't believe that the state should be involved in a lot of things like airlines and, and, uh, I think you can, you can sell, uh, you privatize certain public utilities if it's done in the correct way. But what's happening? Greece. Uh, I mean, the, the country is literally being looted. So I'm back to the scene of the crime, if you will. Uh, so listen for that coming up in uh, July and August, the Conspiracy Show coming to you live from Greece. The other thing I wanted to mention here quickly before we usher in Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who joins us the second Sunday of every month, our paranormal investigator extraordinaire. Uh, I have, I've known this for a long time, I have the greatest uh, listeners and I get some amazing emails and they're always passing uh, along tremendous information t- uh, to me. And I just recently received this uh, f- from uh, someone. And back in 2009, Buzz Aldrin, right, the second man to walk on the moon. This is the guy that's the commander of the uh, Apollo 11 uh, module. And uh, after Neil Armstrong takes his immortal steps on the moon, or did he? <laughs> uh, then, of course, Buzz Aldrin had his turn. Well, back in 2009... He wrote a book, sort of a tell-all book, talking about his personal struggles, his battles with addictions and so forth, and what it was like being in the uh, the Apollo program. Uh, He wrote a book called The Magnificent Desolation. And when the book was released, he did a number of interviews. And I'm going to play you a clip here. Tim is going to fire off this clip. I want you to pay close attention to what Buzz Aldrin says, because it sounds like, to the casual listener, he's admitting... The Apollo 11 lunar landing was a hoax. Have a listen and see if you can hear where he seems to be admitting that. He writes about his experience in an autobiography called Magnificent Desolation. All three of us decided not to participate in uh, Apollo uh, 11. Why would we go there? You just get overawed. You set up a, a series of expectations and <laughs> you're, you're bound to get disappointed one way or the other. I thrived on addictive substances, uh, alcoholism, and clearly that began to predominate in my unstructured life. 
it sounds like it may have been more difficult just to plan one human life than it was to plan that mission to the moon, at least for you. Well, yeah, it, it certainly was. What a bodacious challenge confronting people on Earth. We were obsessed with doing the best that we possibly could so that we wouldn't trip over the wire that goes out to the TV camera that's recording all that we're doing. That's Buzz Aldrin, whose new book is called Magnificent Desolation. Did you hear that? First of all, he says we decided we weren't going to participate in Apollo 11. So, you, you know, take that at face value or whatever. Maybe it was taken out of context. But then, then he says we were trying so hard not to trip over the wire leading to the TV cameras. Does that not, like, sound as if he's admitting the lunar landing was shot on a sound stage? <laughs> Anyway, that's amazing. That's an amazing clip, an amazing piece of tape. And uh, I thank uh, Sheldon, uh, who sent that along, who found that and, and, and sent that. I have not read Magnificent Desolation, but now I'm going to go back and check that out. Buzz Aldrin wrote that in 2009. All right. We're going to talk about one of my favorite topics. It's no secret. I love talking time travel. We're not exactly discussing time travel in this hour, although we are talking about phenomena relating to time or time slips and dimensional slips if if there's time in the hour i'll tell you what happened to me this is going back about 12 or 13 years i've told the story a number of times uh, my personal experience with a time or dimensional slip and i'm also going to invite you to call into the program if you've had an experience with a time slip or a dimensional slip now you may have had one but not given it a name so For the first part of this hour, we're going to figure out what a time slip and a dimensional slip is. And then if it sounds familiar, we're going to make the phone lines available to you because we'd love to hear what happened to you. And, of course, it being this time of the month, we always welcome in one of North America's preeminent paranormal researchers to discuss her new work on the mysteries of time, sharing several cases of time slips uh, when people experience being in a time frame different than their own There are a number of celebrated cases, and she's going to discuss those. Always a pleasure to welcome to The Conspiracy Show, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Hey, Rosemary, how are you? Good evening, Richard. I'm doing well, thank you. I just got back today from a fabulous conference in Vermont. It was the annual convention of the American Society of Dowsers. Ah. And uh, they're very tuned in to things like uh, dimensional slips and and, uh, time shifts and things like that. Uh, in fact, my topic at, at the convention was on interdimensional portals and, uh, you know, the warping of time and space that can occur when we encounter these zones right here on the planet. And these zones can be detected through dowsing? Sometimes, yes. If they have a lot of paranormal activity uh, and people have especially encounters with entities or they see UFOs, mysterious creatures, things like that, uh, they often can be doused, and uh, they exist out in the landscape. They can even exist in someone's backyard if we build a house in an area where these boundaries between our dimension and other dimensions seem to be very thin. Well, and th- these are areas where some of these, these time displacements can take place. And it's, uh, as, as you mentioned, it's not quite the same as time travel where someone might deliberately move around uh, the timescape. Rather, they're, they're sort of accidental uh, visits to 
perhaps our Earth in another time frame or parallel dimensions where um, things look almost the same as they should in our normal reality, but things are different. There's a different atmosphere. Uh, there's something off about the time. When people come out of it, they might experience um, an abnormal passage of time has gone by, you know, missing time and that sort of thing. So we, we have a number of aberrational time displacement experiences that people have really reported for quite a long time. I think they're far more common than we might uh, ordinarily think. Uh, I, I want to dive right in with, with an amazing story that uh, you reported to me. Uh, and this has to do, uh, it came from, allegedly, a, a lawyer practicing primarily, I believe, in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, who was dealing with, who was asked to represent someone who had been committed to a mental health institution. And uh, can we start with that story? Because to me, this is just absolutely, uh, left me gobsmacked. It is a very good story, and it's contemporary, too. And it was uh, research and investigated by a colleague of mine, Alon Strickler, who lives in the Baltimore area where I used to live. And uh, he was contacted by an attorney who's been very troubled by this case for years. It happened in June 1992, and he was contacted and asked to take on a pro bono case for a man who had been committed to uh, one of the state hospitals. And he'd been arrested on a a weapons possession charge. He had an old-fashioned Derringer gun, like the kind that came out of the Wild West. And uh, vagrancy was another charge against him. He'd had ammunition. And he was um, apparently in his 30s. He, He gave his name. He said his name was Morris Winthrop. And um, he said that he was from New Jersey and he had lived most of his life in New York City and had no idea how he had arrived in Baltimore. He was dressed in clothing that the attorney later found out through his own research was typical of the 1870s to 1880s. And this man had a very unusual appearance. He, He had these very striking, deep violet eyes, a very pale complexion, this wispy blonde hair. And uh, even though the medical professionals sort of assumed that he was suffering some sort of trauma and shock because he had no recollection of how he got from New York to Baltimore, the attorney said that that the this Morris Winthrop seemed to be in full possession of his faculties. He seemed to know exactly what was going on. And there was something just very odd about him. Well, uh, no sooner had his uh, initial interviews been done than he gets a call, the attorney gets a call saying his services are no longer needed and people are just kind of very secretive about what happened and why, but he learns through his own investigations again that Morris Winthrop mysteriously disappeared without a trace after eating an evening meal, and his clothing uh, was left behind, but his other possessions, he had like a a silver cigarette case, um, were missing, 
and the attorney tried to find out for a long time exactly what happened. Let me just jump in, Rosemary, because I understand the lawyer actually, I believe, went to, to New York, where this gentleman claimed he was from, and did some investigating, and we'll find out how that played out as we discuss time slips, dimensional slips, and get some stories of, uh, from callers as well. This fascinating subject we delve into here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. It is this feeling that has brought you to me. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. To reach Richard, call 416-360-0740. Welcome back. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is with us, paranormal researcher, the author of nearly 50 books and counting on a wide range of paranormal uh, supernatural topics. We're discussing uh, time slips and dimensional slips, and we'll open up the phone lines and make them available to you now. If you have a personal experience with a time slip, missing time, or some time-related, strange time-related phenomena or dimensional slip, if you will. And uh, time permitting, I'll, I'll share one of mine as well. Now, Rosemary, you were talking about this uh, lawyer who was uh, asked, this is about 20 years ago, asked to represent this strangely dressed individual who was residing at a, a state hospital in Baltimore uh, who was awaiting a trial. He was placed there on a weapons charge. He had some sort of vintage 1870, 1880 era Marlon Derringer pistol. He was dressed like someone from the 1870s or 80s. Kind of a strange looking individual. No hair on his face, no eyebrows, no stubble. Violet penetrating eyes. And then all of a sudden, he disappears. This is according to someone who worked at the state hospital who contacted the lawyer saying that he just simply vanished. No trace. So what happened? This lawyer tried to find out who this odd individual was, and uh, this Winthrop Morris, and, and what did he discover when he started doing a little digging? He hired a private investigator. He got almost obsessed by this case, and here's the shocker of what he uncovered. There was, in 1877, a record of a 32-year-old single man named Morris Winthrop living in New York City who vanished without a trace and left all of his possessions behind in Manhattan. And for this man, dressed in 1870s clothing with the name of Morris Winthrop, uh, to suddenly appear in Baltimore in 1992 and have no recollection of how he got there and then mysteriously vanish again, it raises more than eyebrows. It's one of the most startling cases of evidence uh, in support of time displacement. Now, whether Morris Winthrop deliberately uh, was able to do that or accidentally fell through uh, a time-dimensional gap of some sort, I think it was an accidental sort of thing. Although the the attorney said he, he wasn't disoriented, he didn't he wasn't confused or lost. Uh, he seemed to be very calm and in full possession of his faculties. Well, I, I was so intrigued by this story that I ran it in, in my newsletter, Strange Dimensions. And uh, then another colleague of mine who's a ufologist suggested that maybe Morris Winthrop wasn't human, that he was an alien. 
because uh, some of these ETs who are said to be visiting the planets, like the Nordics, are known for being time travelers. And uh, the idea behind that might be that uh, here was one of these alien visitors who was uh, cruising around the human timescape uh, doing observations and and uh, other kinds of acti- interactions with human beings. So there are a lot of intriguing possibilities with this case. Yes, I, uh, as strange as it may seem, I would almost have to rule out a, a, a time traveler in, in the sense that this was someone from the 1870s who stepped into a time machine and traveled into the future, that being 1992. Uh, first of all, the odds that they would have some sort of uh, you know, time travel capability in the late 19th century uh, seems rather unlikely. Let's assume that they, you know, that we have the capability of time travel now. Uh, I was just discussing that with uh, discussing this with a, a gentleman who's sitting in on the show tonight. Um, Ronald Mallet, of course, the um, the theoretical physicist from the University of Connecticut, has pointed out, and he's trying to work on a time machine that you can't travel back further in time than. The, the time when you actually develop the technology and switch the machine on. So, again, as strange as it may seem, I would, I would, I would think the best explanation, if, if this is in fact a true story, would have to be uh, some ET civilization that has time travel capability and could jump backwards and forwards and, and so forth. That really would be the best explanation for this case. It's markedly different from other kinds of time displacements that people have experienced, which in parapsychology are often called cases of retrocognition, where we have a, a, a visionary bleed-through or a sudden sense of being in another place in time. And uh, one of the most famous cases illustrating that occurred in 1901, and uh, it's called the Versailles haunting in parapsychology. And uh, it, it concerned two English women who went to visit Versailles. They were academics, and they were on a holiday, holiday and they were walking around on the grounds, and uh, suddenly they feel like they're in a very eerie atmosphere. The, the, the atmosphere is like dead, it's quiet, it's unnatural, it's, it's oppressive. And uh, they notice uh, people in period costumes, and initially they assume that, oh, maybe these were... Uh, staff, you know, to add to the atmosphere of the place uh, for tourists. Um, and they see buildings that were unfamiliar to them. Uh, and and um, they concluded later that they had had some sort of see-through into the past, to the days of uh, King Louis XV, uh, because when they went back to Versailles in a later time, the buildings that they had seen had existed at one time but but were no longer there. And uh, people were not dressed in, in period clothing. Well, then they discovered through their research that other people had had similar experiences at Versailles, uh, almost like um, it exists in some, some sort of time-space dimensional warp where if you're there under the right conditions, perhaps in the right state of mind, you might see things the way they were during uh, those days of Louis the, the 15th. Uh, these sorts of experiences are more common, and they they last usually a, a brief period of time, sometimes just a minute or two, sometimes a little longer in the case of the English women. 
Um, it's a, a different variety of the time-dimensional slip than the Morris Winthrop case. So this actually uh, could explain the uh, you know ghostly apparitions. We're not actually seeing ghosts. What we're we're we're, we're peeking into or getting a, a rare glimpse of some portal uh, where the present is colliding with the past, and we're not seeing ghosts per se. We're actually sort of entering into this time warp. I think that's the case. And what distinguishes these time slips from uh, seeing a residual haunting where you're look you're seeing apparitions, you know, the residues of things left behind is that people always report a market ch- a sudden shift and a market change in the atmosphere. They describe things as being eerie, uh, sometimes unusually silent. There's an unusual absence of what they would expect to be normal activity. Um, they suddenly feel like they've they've gone through some shift, although many times things look nearly normal, uh, but they're not quite the same. Um, in this case, with the English women, they they actually saw things from the past. Sometimes I think people get shifted into a parallel dimension where there's almost an exact duplicate of our reality, but things are just slightly out of place and out of sync with what we would call ordinary time. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is with us, paranormal researcher, investigator, author of nearly 50 books on uh, a wide range of subjects dealing with the supernatural, the paranormal, the metaphysical. Now, uh, this you were describing this sort of this parallel reality, and uh, which leads us into, you know, getting a little closer to home. You were talking about England and Versailles. I know you've, you, I mean, you've written a, a book about the strange things that occur in uh, the great state of West Virginia. And there is, in West Virginia, a, uh, a route, uh, I believe it's Route 55 down there, uh, where a number of uh, truckers have reported some strange things happening as they travel along that uh, that highway. Yes, um, and I've run into this before, too where uh, people are traveling somewhere and they come across something very strange that seems out of place, and then uh, they go back and try and find it again, and it's nowhere to be seen. But uh, this one particular case, and I did talk to the trucker. Uh, his, his name is Lakin Eubank, and he was just on a normal drive. He was um, heading along uh, Route 55 in um, a southern uh, part of West Virginia, and uh, doesn't make any turns, anything unusual, and then he suddenly finds himself where he shouldn't be. And he's driving and driving, it's taking him so long to get where he's going, the landscape suddenly becomes unfamiliar, uh, he hasn't seen this road before, but yet he hasn't taken any turn off the highway. And uh, just as he's getting kind of concerned uh, about, you know, that maybe surely he must have accidentally gotten off the road somehow, he finds himself uh, where he should have been in the first place. But he doesn't know how he got there. And uh, he also described kind of a weird atmosphere. Things looked different. There wasn't any other traffic. He drove by, he saw signs for towns that were familiar, but 
there was nobody around. There, there was no activity. There was no animal noise, no traffic. It was like the planet was suddenly deserted. So later, he tried to re- go back and find that what he was convinced in his own mind was just a mistake he made. Uh, you know, maybe he got fatigued, you know, took a wrong turn. He could never find that weird stretch of road again. So he posted it on the Internet and asked uh, if other people had experienced the same and heard from other truckers who said, yes, in that very spot on that state route, they also had had weird displacements and had gotten strangely lost somehow. And he, he also heard from drivers around the world who described similar experiences in other locales. Well, uh, well, we'll throw that open to uh, to any of the listeners out there, truck drivers. If you uh, if you can tell us about a, a lonely stretch of road or or, or uh, a, a rural route down in the United States or here, up here in Canada, anywhere where uh, you've traversed and found some strange, I don't know, time slip, dimensional slip, something just quite not not quite right uh, during your journey. Now, this uh, this uh, Route 55. Uh, it goes through an area of, of uh, West Virginia where the confluence of the Seneca Creek and a branch of the Potomac River, it's called uh, Seneca Caverns. And somehow this uh, this is tied up with an Indian legend. What's the connection between the Indian legend at Seneca Rocks and this apparent dimensional or time slip, Rosemary? Well, I, making a direct connection uh, is a little tricky between the legend and the time slips. But what it points to is that the area is quite haunted. In fact, the Seneca Caverns themselves have uh, haunting activity in them where people experience phantom footsteps and strange noises. Um, this, the area around the caverns called Seneca Rocks has a strange vibe to it. People talk about it having a, an eerie uh, atmosphere. It's uh, also within a vast forest area called the Monongahela, which has all kinds of things going on. And it's a very dense forest, and uh, there are a lot of mysterious creature sightings in it, a lot of Bigfoot sightings. So these are indicative of these, like, interdimensional portal areas where a lot of warping of time and space seem to go on quite a bit. But the legend uh, is um, about a princess who uh, was quite beautiful, and she had uh, lots of, of men interested in, in marrying her so that they could become the successor to the chief. And uh, so she didn't want to choose one. She challenged them to a test that whoever could climb to the top of these Seneca rocks would win her hand. And so seven of, of them took up the challenge and one made it, and he did marry the princess and become the next chief of the tribe. Um, but People have in this area uh, described these like twilight zone feels, and uh, I've run into other areas like this too, where uh, there are often um, legends about uh, mysterious visitors, about other hauntings, uh, fairy creatures. Uh, these are also areas where people often see a lot of UFO activity as well. Okay, we've talked about you know uh, uh, people who have found themselves in the midst of some sort of a time slip. Um, 
objects too can get caught up in in these time slips or dimensional slips. What uh, is an an apport, Rosemary? An apport. An apport is an object that mysteriously appears out of nowhere, and there is a term for objects that disappear. It's called asport, but that's kind of gotten out of date, and people now use the term apport to describe objects that either appear or disappear mysteriously. And they're quite common in certain haunting cases. I've run into them a lot in some of the very strange cases that I take on. Uh, fairies are often attributed to this sort of activity where uh, so- suddenly you realize that something's gone missing, uh, you can't find it anywhere, and it's not a case of just forgetting where you put it because when it reappears, it shows up in a very, very strange location that it should never, ever have gotten into. And uh, another case that um, I ran in conjunction with these time slips um, in my, my last newsletter was a case of a, a car report, an entire car, where uh, a, a woman was going shopping and uh, she was driving around looking for a parking place. It was kind of bad weather, slushy snow on the ground, and she didn't want to walk very far. She couldn't find one. Has to park further away. She comes out of the store, and suddenly everything is dead quiet. It's just weird. The, everything kind of looks funny. The street's very quiet. There's um, no traffic like there should be. Sort of a case of, dude, where's my car? And we'll, exactly. We'll, she goes, we'll, okay, and we'll, Rosemary. missing. <laughs> we'll pick up on that. On the other side, Rosemary Ellen Guiley talking time slips and dimensional slips here on The Conspiracy Show. Fasten your seatbelt and put your tray in the upright position. You're about to leave everything you know behind. On The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Rosemary Ellen Guiley stays with us. This is kind of a treat. Normally we have uh, Rosemary sort of for a half an hour. But this is one of those topics uh, uh, that, uh, well, I'm hoping it's going to generate some interest and people will call in with their own accounts or personal experiences with time slips, dimensional slips. Uh, You've been caught up in some sort of a strange time warp. Now, uh, before uh, we were so rudely interrupted, Rosemary, <laughs> we were talking about this this uh, this uh, individual who had parked a car. I believe she went into a mall. She came out, and th- it was just a very eerie, sort of quiet situation going on when she came out. It was like she came out of a, it's an entirely different place. Yet, you know, and where is her car? It's nowhere to be seen. Uh, and were were there other cars in the parking lot when she came out, or was it just completely empty? There were other cars, and in fact, at first she thought, well, I forgot where I parked my car. But she saw her own footsteps in the slush, uh, the, the slushy snow. And, so, and she walks to the spot where she had parked her car, gone. Then she thought it, it was stolen. So she starts looking around frantically for, for, you know, to see if there's, you know, find the car or find help or something. And she finds the car parked where she originally wanted to park and uh, in order to be closer to the, to the store. Uh, and it was like her entire car went walkabout. It got aborted from uh, one parking place to the other. It's, it's, it's almost like she stepped into um, a, another dimension where 
she got the parking spot that she, in another dimension, she got the parking spot she wanted. So it raises some interesting questions like, do, do you, does a person then move into another dimensional reality if we're constantly spinning off parallel dimensions with our actions and decisions and, and activities? Do we then enter that dimension or do we just experience it briefly? How are we affected by these things? If there is no such thing as, as linear time and we have these bleed-throughs into other realities and, and other pieces of the timescape, what does that do to our reality? So these, and these alternate realities that you've been describing, uh, these dimensional slips into an alternate reality, if that's what we're dealing with, they seem to be devoid of activity. Like there's nothing going on. We mentioned you mentioned this this uh, a truck driver on on Route 55 in West Virginia, and he talked about uh, the, you know coming into these towns, but there was nothing there. There was no there was no even there wasn't even a center line anymore on the highway. There were no guardrails. There were no people. There was no other traffic. It's so, almost like it's an incomplete reality, and uh, so one of the things that I thought might be operational here is that. Some of these time slips are in dimensional slips. They're they're not fully complete. It's like we we enter literally into a twilight zone or a limbo area where we're in another world. Uh, we're not entirely in our reality, and we're not entirely in another reality. And that's why the atmosphere is so weird and oppressive. Why there's an absence of activity because uh, we're not com- we're not in any one reality completely. The other, the other uh, uh, type of phenomenon when we're talking about time slips is missing time. And, and, and of course, that has been associated with the alien abduction uh, phenomenon. But are there instances of time slips that really don't appear to have anything to do with an alien abduction um, that you're familiar with? Has that ever happened to you? Well, I've, I've never been abducted to my knowledge. Um, I have had um, distortions of time where uh, I have felt like I've been in uh, expansions of time rather than contractions of time through missing time. But the missing time phenomenon is common to the, especially the ET abduction experience. And my, my own theory on that is that the abductions uh, take a person into another reality, a, a, another dimension, and time operates differently in these other dimensions where uh, we are in the presence of these entities. And when we are returned to our own reality, uh, that's where we experience the missing time. All right, I'll share you, if time permits, my time slip or dimensional slip when we come back. And uh, Rosemary, see if you can make head or tails of that. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show, Rosemary Ellen Guiley discussing time slips. Stay with us. Curiosity? Or did the devil make you do it? Whatever the reason, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Next week on the program, David Hatcher Childress. This is a, he's like a real life Indiana Jones, ex- world explorer, in fact, founder of the World Explorers Club. They've got a magazine, uh, with some incredible tales. And also the man behind, 
uh, Adventures Unlimited Press, which is one of my favorite book publishers. Uh, people like Joseph Farrell, one of my favorite authors, is, is published there often. Anyway, uh, David Hatcher Childers will be on the program to talk about his, his travels. Uh, that's coming up next week. Right now, of course, Rosemary Ellen Guiley stays with us as we discuss time and dimensional slips. Phone lines available to you if you've had an experience of a time warp, time displacement. So very quickly, Rosemary, about 15 years ago, not, no, uh, about 13 years ago, newly married, working at another radio station, taking my regular route home to my house at the time in north, the north part of Toronto. And, uh, at that, I remember this distinctly. Some of the other, uh, details are a little foggy, but I remember, uh, Mick Jagger had just come out with a CD. It was called Goddess in the Doorway. And I was, I was liking the, the, the CD and I'd been playing it all that week. And starting it, you know, I'd get out of the parking lot at the radio station, start with track one, and then by the end of the, you know, the week, I knew what track would, should be playing when I got home. Uh, and so that was the way I was able to measure the time that elapsed from the moment I left the radio station to the moment I pulled into the driveway at my, at my place. So uh, I'm uh, people outside of Toronto. These names won't mean anything, but those in the Toronto area. I'm driving along Eglinton Avenue east towards Leslie, and then I would take Leslie up to York Mills, and then York Mills to my place. So uh, uh, here I am driving along uh, north on Leslie, and I knew it would take it would take about 10, 11 minutes, I guess, to get up to York Mills, and then I would turn right. So all of a sudden, I'm a few tracks into the uh, the CD, and I know, okay, by this time I should be at about Lawrence Avenue. All of a sudden, I look up, and I realize I have no idea where I am. This is very disconcerting. There should be a, I should be at Lawrence Avenue because I'm on track three, and there's the there's, where's the Esso station on the, on the east corner, and where's the, the, the big condo building? It's not there. I'm, in fact, I'm looking at a, an overpass. I realize uh, I'm way north of York Mills. I'm at, like, past the 401, or uh, coming up on the 401. There's the 401 overpass. And I was totally shocked and shaken. And I, st- I was stopped at a red light, and I, I'm looking around saying, how did I get here so quickly? I shouldn't be here. I was traveling at the same rate of speed, you know, 60 kilometers, 30 miles an hour. And uh, I was in such shock, the, the light went uh, turned green, and I'm still sitting there at the intersection thinking, what the heck is going on? Uh, and someone had to honk the horn to get me going, and then I had to turn around and come back. And to this day, I have no idea how I got past my turnoff so quickly. Didn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. What do you make of that, Rosemary? It sounds like you had some sort of time and dimensional slip. And sometimes I wonder uh, how many missing persons cases are related to these sorts of things. You know, people who maybe have a, a real serious displacement and can't get back out of it. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I don't believe that I've been abducted by aliens, and I, I, uh, I suppose I could have a, um, a re- some sort of a regression, although I think I would rather not know if that were the case. Uh, because I've, you know, I've met enough abductees and it's no picnic. I mean, that's not a life one would normally choose, uh, to know that you were abduct, an, abdu- an abductee. Uh, but I, I really have no other explanation for it. There's no way I should have been past the 401. Uh, I should have only been in at, at Lawrence, which is, you know, miles south of there, given the amount of time that I'd been traveling. Uh, it never happened again, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. I think, I think most people, uh, are familiar with that 
phenomena when you're driving for maybe an hour from destination A, from point A to destination B, and you arrive there, and all of a sudden you realize, I don't remember the last hour. How did I get here? Now, maybe an hour has passed, but you have no memory of actually driving from point A to point B. That's happened to a lot of people. What's that all about? Well, ufologists would immediately uh, suggest that some sort of abduction has taken place, and that accounts for the uh, the absence of recollection. Uh, there are cases of uh, abductees who have repeated experiences, and and when they are regressed, then they they do recover these memories of abductions during periods like that. I don't think that's the only explanation. I think that um, we do enter these liminal areas between dimensions, and that could affect our memory, our uh, perception of uh, how we're traveling through physical space. Uh, we, we don't know enough about these, these sorts of things to, to um, be able to understand them or even predict them. And they can't be predicted, even though some people do have similar experiences in the same area, like the trucker discovered along this uh, state route in West Virginia. Oftentimes when people try and go back and have the same experience again just to validate it for themselves, they can't. It's like the conditions have to be just right for it. Your story reminded me of uh, an experience that I had in England some years ago. I was traveling around Cornwall with a friend and a lot of spooky places in Cornwall. And uh, one night we uh, went to a village, um, and uh, I remember the road that we drove on. It was one of those spooky little Ichabod Crane kind of roads, and it took from, from the turnoff from the main road to get down to this village took us about 25 minutes and we commented as we were driving you know on this on the way that how spooky the trees looked the atmosphere was strange we get to the pub uh, the pub is weird the people are weird it's haunted um, my camera went off by itself uh, just kind of strange things happened and we ate we had a nice meal we left and we took exactly the same road back to get to the main road. There's only one way in and out, and it took us five minutes to get to the road. And we couldn't account for it. Like, how did it only take us such a short time to get out, and it took us so long to get in? Yeah, that's that sounds very similar to mine, although you were on foot, uh, which I think would even be more disconcerting. Because well, when you're behind the... we were driving. Oh, you were driving. Actually, yeah, ah, we okay. were driving. And uh, it... You know, we tried to say to ourselves, well, we, we were just absorbed in conversation or, uh, you know, we just didn't notice, but it puzzled both of us. I'll say. Uh, let's grab a call here. John is in Oshawa tonight, Oshawa, Ontario. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show, John. You're on the air. Yeah, I find it kind of interesting, your, your program. Do you, uh, did you see that article that was in the Toronto Star here within the past week about uh, where, where strange people are walking amongst us? No, I, I missed that. When you say strange people are walking amongst us, you, what do you mean? People that are strange. All it, all it said that they that there's actually strange people walking amongst us. Well, one only needs to uh, you know venture downtown on a late Friday night, and <laughs> that's that's bound to be true. But I mean, uh, do you? I mean, 
do you do you mean well, people that? I found that... it kind of interesting that they that they uh, they claim that it's actually uh, there. Is, we are bringing there is things coming from outer orbit that uh, and. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I just kind of wondering, you know, I, I don't know whether I, I don't know whether I would realize if I was, I mean, uh, I, I've been, uh, I've been going to the doctor, uh, uh, for the past, uh, week about, uh, things that are, that I think are, think I leave my keys in such and such a place and they're not there. And I said to my doctor, my, am I getting Alzheimer's? He said, he looked at me and he laughed. He said, no, John. He says, you're not getting Alzheimer's. But uh, he's ordered some testing, and uh, the strange things that are happening—that uh, I think I'm—that uh, I think I see something, and then I don't. Well, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe those car keys that you you were certain you put on the you know the the table in the front hall, uh, you know maybe they they've. Uh, fallen into some sort of a dimensional or time slip. Who knows? I mean, man, many of us have, have, have had that experience, Rosemary, where you put something down and uh, you go back and it's not there, and then you go back looking for it again, and it's all of a sudden it's there again. I, that happened to me. I, I was working at my uh, uh, my mom's place in Brantford years ago, and I took I had this sledgehammer. Uh, I, I forget, I was putting stakes in the ground next to a tree or something. I had this sledge, a heavy sledge, and I leaned it up against the garden shed. And uh, went back to to get it like ten minutes later, and it was gone. And uh, asked my mom, "Did you take? No, didn't. Did you put it back in the shed? No, no. Anyway, uh, so it was just completely gone. And then it ends up turning up, leaning against the shed about a week later, the exact place I'd put it. No explanation. That's in a port, right? That's in a port. And in earlier times, people would have said the fairies did it. You know, they're just playing tricks. And uh, I do think that spirits do those sorts of things, but uh, do these things also happen in some sort of strange shift of, of time and space? That's possible, too. Now, you're in, uh, in Connecticut, uh, but not far from you is, of course, uh, the Hudson Valley. Uh, I don't know if you would be considered part of the Hudson Valley, where you are. Uh, I'm very close to it, yes. Yeah. But there's a lot of strange sort of time slips seem to happen in and around uh, Hudson Valley. What's going on there, do you suspect? It's The whole Hudson Valley has uh, a long history for being very haunted, and uh, a lot of UFO activity. There was a big wave of UFOs back in the mid-'80s here. Actually, people still see them and uh, have all kinds of experiences um, with seeing craft and lights in the sky, having missing time, uh, having... Um, I'll, I'll describe a case that happened to um, a person I know who has had other kinds of experiences in the valley, but she's driving down the Taconic Highway, which uh, goes down the valley, and uh, she's at night, and she's she's uh, heading down uh, back to uh, the New York City area, and she said... Normally, at the time she was driving, there would be heavy traffic, people going back to the city, but she's like the only person on the road, and it just feels very strange to her. And then a car comes up behind her, and it paces her. It doesn't pass her, and it starts to make her nervous, so she slows down a little, and she the, the car behind her is very dark. She can't see the driver, and so she slows down. She thinks, oh, I just wish this car would pass me. And as soon as she thinks it, the car pulls out into the next lane and starts to pass her. And it pulls up alongside her very slowly. She still cannot see the driver. The, the windows are very, very dark. And it 
slowly goes past her, and uh, when it gets up ahead of her, she can see the license plate, and it's a vanity plate that says, I love UFOs. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but of course. Rosemary, always a pleasure. And uh, I, could, uh, I could talk time and dimensional slips with you all night. Thanks so much for this. Thank you very much, Richard. Good night. Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Tim Spreen, thanks for production. As always, back next week, David Hatcher Childress. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite, wherever you are. I'm coming home. Good night.